many times should I forgive? Peter asks Jesus. Seven times? No, Jesus answers. Seventy-seven times. If we are to follow Jesus, we have to learn this process of forgiveness. It is an absolutely essential part of the Christian faith. But most people, we think of forgiveness, we think of someone hurting us, and then we have to let go, move on, reconcile. But forgiveness happens in so many different ways, not just when someone hurts us, but we also have to learn how to forgive ourselves, which for many of us can be much more difficult. And even more pervasive in our day and age is our need to forgive the world to forgive the way things are the way things have turned out i mean we thought humanity would have been at a better place by now didn't we we thought that with technology and medicine and education that we would have figured out how to get along by now we thought that we would have learned how to care for the earth, but we haven't learned, and everything is a struggle still. Things don't look any better than they did 200 years ago, and we need to forgive ourselves. Because the world is not what we hoped it would be, yet. Forgiveness is a process. It is something that you move through and that you have to move through again and again and again. This process is something that followers of Jesus must do every day and sometimes every hour of every day. It does not mean to condone or allow. No, forgiveness is a process in which we change our perspective enough to allow God to transform our lives, in which we move through resentment and anger and hatred into freedom. In the book of Exodus, we hear this archetypal, incredible story that you all probably know fairly well. The Hebrew people are enslaved, they're in bondage, they're trapped in Egypt, and they don't see any way out of this enslavement. It takes so long for God with Moses and Aaron to convince them that it's even possible to be free. 
And when they finally realize that God actually loves them enough to want them to be free, when they actually begin to trust that they can follow Moses and Aaron, they get to the edge of this sea, the Red Sea, on the edge of Egypt, and God says to Moses, hold out your hand over the waters. And Moses, in this dramatic scene, holds out his hand, and the waters, they part. And the people are able to walk on dry land through the sea. The Egyptians are in hot pursuit, riding on chariots, and when they get to the ocean, they go in, and their wheels get stuck in the mud, and they become trapped, spinning wheels. The Hebrews reach the other side, and again, God says to Moses, hold out your hand over the waters. Moses holds out his hand and the waters return to their original depth, and the Egyptians drown. It's violent, it's terrifying, and it's kind of fabulous. And on the shore of the sea, Miriam, Moses' sister, sings. She sings a song, and in seminary, we were taught that the oldest piece of the Bible, a small fragment of a scroll that scholars and archaeologists believe is the oldest actual physical piece of the Bible, is Miriam's song. And I've always loved that. It was a young woman singing. That's the oldest thing from the Bible. That's kind of cool. And in seminary, they made us memorize the words in Hebrew. Shiru Yahweh, ki ga'o ga'ah, sus rawokavo, rama vayam. She sang on the shore of the sea. Because the people moved from being in bondage to being free. And they did that because they trusted in God. They trusted that God could change their perception and understanding. And in doing so, they were able to walk through an ocean to the other side. If we want to learn to forgive, we also have to begin by changing our perception. By trying to look at the world through God's eyes. Picture for a moment that you're in the woods and you come across this dog who is very violent and scary and wants to bite you and attack you. Well, our first reaction is going to be anger, fear, self-preservation, all good stuff, right? And naturally, we're, want, we're going to want to get rid of the dog. We might have to kill the dog. We hate the dog. 
But then you see something. You see that the dog's foot is trapped. Its foot is stuck in a trap and it is bloody and bleeding and you see that the dog is in pain. Now that doesn't change the fact that you need to protect yourself, that you're going to be careful, that you're going to be wise, but your anger shifts, your hatred shifts because your perception has changed and you can see that the dog is in pain. And with that shifting perception begins the journey to forgiveness. I have a friend who lives in Washington State. He told me a story, a true story, about a 14-year-old boy who was involved in gangs and who shot another teenage boy. At the trial, the mother of the young man who died sat there quietly as this 14-year-old was convicted of murder. She sat quietly throughout the whole trial, but at the very end, she stood up and spoke directly to the young man who had murdered her son, and she said, I'm going to kill you. The 14-year-old was put through the juvenile justice system and was incarcerated. Six months after he began his sentence, the mother showed up to visit him. He didn't want to see her. He was scared and remembered what she said, but he didn't really have a choice, so he ended up sitting across from her. She wouldn't look at him, but she just said, do you have any money for snacks? And he said, N no, no, ma'am. Okay, I'm going to give you some money for snacks, she said. And then she got up and left. A few months later, she appeared again. Do you need some money for snacks? Oh, thank you. Ye yes, yes, ma'am. This time she raised her eyes and looked at him just for a moment gave him some money and left. She kept visiting. After a couple of years, the time came for him to be released, but he had to find a job. Do you have any prospects, she asked him. No, ma'am. She found him a job with her brother. As the release date came, Closer, she said, do you have a place to live? No, ma'am. I have a room in my house. You can stay there for a while. So when he got out, he moved in with her. They lived together for eight months with him working. And one morning, she called him into the living room and asked him to sit down. 
She said, do you remember at the trial when I said I wanted to kill you? And he said, yes, yes, ma'am, I remember. She said, I did want to kill you. I was so angry and so full of hatred. And I went home and I lived in hell for a while. I was enslaved by my despair. But I knew, I knew that God would have me do something. And I, I believed that I just needed to go visit you once. Maybe if I saw you once, that, that this would lift this pain. And when I went to see you, I saw that you had been homeless and that no one had visited you. I realized that you didn't have any friends or any family. And something started to shift in me. But it still took me a while. But as I came to see you, I saw you change. And the, the boy that I wanted to kill, he doesn't exist anymore. I see you now. My son is dead. Would you let me adopt you? So they became a family. But she had to move through this process well that only God could do. A parting of the waters of hatred, this despair that had consumed her entirely. She had to move through that by changing her perception, by learning and growing. But in forgiving, she changed him. That's the miracle of forgiveness. God doesn't just want us to forgive for our own sake. God wants us to forgive because when we forgive, we change the other one too. And if there's any hope for this world, it will begin by us forgiving ourselves forgiving the world, believing in the promises of the miracles of Jesus, who was able to forgive even from the cross. If we can have even a drop of that kind of forgiveness, we can change this world. Because I know that God's vision is for us to one day reach a land where we all can dance together in harmony. Races and peoples of all genders and orientations all dancing and singing together. Sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. And we've gotten to the other side. Amen.